You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Uh, we appreciate you all joining us today as the Colts get set to take on Minnesota in Minnesota Saturday afternoon. Guys, the NFL really, really, really wants you to watch the Colts because this is going to be, chap, uh, what is it, three or four straight games. The Colts are going to be the only show in town at this time when they play. And one the, the following week. Yep. So, yeah, it's it's it just shows you that if you're one of the 32 teams, they think anyone will watch at any time. And they're right. <laughs> so so you know it's just it's just too bad from the Colts point of view that they're not playing better because boy they're getting a chance to show who they are which sometimes is good and sometimes is bad right we, we are seeing exactly who they are they are who we thought they were as the uh, the famous uh, Dennis Green uh, segment goes um, we'll pre- preview this matchup against the Vikings with an injury update. We've got keys to the game. We'll make our own predictions. But first, we start with the news. And since we weren't here last week, uh, there is a fair amount of news to, to break down before we uh, before we get to this Vikings game. As the Colts had a bye week, we took one ourselves. Um, it starts with Jeff Saturday saying, really confirming, he does want to be the Colts coach long term if the Colts will have him. Um, he says he plans on interviewing as long as they give me the interview. Totally in. Um, he says, quote, I have a vision of what this could look like in the future plan to work that way that's what i do every day is to work toward that goal and understand what that looks like chap i don't think that's that's a surprise that jeff saturday uh wants this job long term and it as much as i think you could fairly criticize uh jim ursay and the colts for hiring jeff saturday as the interim head coach he would certainly garner even more criticism if Jeff Saturday becomes the coach long term, I, I don't want to sugarcoat that at all. I, I think if he does get this job, and especially if the Colts don't end the season with four straight wins, you know, if they're still kind of fledgling to the finish line, and Jeff Saturday becomes the coach next year, he, he Jim Ursay is going to face a lot of heat, and, and he can do that. It's his team. He can do as we've said what he wants to do, but uh, at, at this point, with uh, with the condition of the Colts and with Jeff Saturday, even if he says he has a vision for what could happen with this team, he says he has a plan that could he could implement. I, I really think it would be a hard sell if the season continues to go as it has been to the fan base, to the NFL, what have you, if Jeff Saturday continues on to be the head coach of this team. You agree, you disagree, you have different thoughts than I do. What do you think? I probably agree. I, I think we've talked about no matter who – Jim Mercy would have brought in after that New England game. It wasn't really going to matter. It wasn't going to turn things around. It's it seldom does when you bring in an interim coach. The the issue then obviously was this is a guy who had no experience. You know, I'm not. I'm just counting three years in Georgia high school just because. But it's totally different when you say, okay, in January, we're rebooting and we're going with this. Totally different. I. Initially, it's good to see that Jeff found out that this might be what he wants to do because who knows? Uh, When you do this to start with, you have no idea really what you're getting in for. You think you do, but you don't. So that, you know, the the first box has been checked. He wants to do this. Boy, I, I, I just would have to see the list of people that they want to talk to, they will talk to, and see how he stacks up because 
I know people say that this is not an attractive position. All of a sudden, you've got a meddling owner. You have no quarterback plan at all. I don't care how you spend it. You have no quarterback plan. But it's one of 32. It's just one of 32. Oh, by the way, you've got an uncertain situation at the GM spot. But having said that, it's one of 32. It's just seldom, seldom that a high-profile, high-quality candidate would turn it down because pieces aren't in place. So I want to. I think there's going to be a good collection, whatever that is, five or six people, seven people, and he'll be and Jeff will be one of them. But I just think that the pool is going to be deep enough to where he won't be the most attractive candidate. And, and it's it's not to shed any shade on Jeff. It's not. It's just that when it comes to this position, <laughs> experience matters. The fact that you've done it matters. The fact that you've done it in one matters. It'll be very interesting to see where they go with this. And Joe, uh, Jim Ursay actually shared some thoughts on that this week. Uh, there were some, uh, I think it was owners meetings uh, or uh, the winter meetings. And uh, he, he had a little media gaggle uh, out there at the meetings and uh, was kind of asked about it, saying, I think Jeff's a candidate, but there's lots of great candidates out there. Uh, I think there's lots of great candidates in college. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I, I think the pool needs to be broadened somewhat more. There's some great college coaches that could be capable. There's some unknown coaches that, that may be capable. So so right there, Jim is saying, as, as Chap alluded to, that, that Jeff Saturday is certainly going to be in this process. And if they cut things down to finalists, if there's a group of five or seven, like he says, he's probably one of those finalists. Um, but, but at the same time, uh, like I said earlier, I just think it would be a, a, a tough road to hoe if you decide to go with him long term and try to sell that. It is a tough sell, especially like you said. If basically Jeff would have to win out or win three of the win multiple games down the stretch to give you any kind of hope that he might be the guy going forward, because if not, at least from the exterior, it's like what do we have to go off of to suggest that Jeff is the right guy? I guess if you're in that building seeing what he does every day, it might you might have a little bit of a different feeling. But there's going to be some good candidates out there. I mean, Domenico Ryan's the defensive coordinator in San Francisco is at the top of the list. You got um, the offensive coordinator in Buffalo, Ken Dorsey, is very high on the list as well. I'm not sure if Kafka over in Philadelphia would come over to Indianapolis after... um, That'd be something. Yeah. What a tangled web we would weave. (laughs) But there's just going to be so many other candidates who, when you look at their resume, they're going to be more impressive than Saturday's just because Saturday has that lack of experience. I don't know if he'd be willing to go from head coach to maybe offensive line coach. That'd be something I'd be interested in. Uh, maybe seeing him get an assistant job, not necessarily the head job with the team going First forward. First of all, no no one's going to hire him for a head coaching job other than the Indianapolis Colts. There isn't a single team across the NFL right now who would hire Jeff Saturday as your head coach, except for right here in India. And, and I don't think that, that I, I would believe that goes without saying, unless I'm gargantuan with you wrong. On that yeah. one. I just thought, you know, maybe the dynamics in the locker room from being the head guy and then go. Yeah. Totally. Basically taking a demotion might be weird, so maybe he'd feel more comfortable taking an assistant job somewhere else. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know how he feels about that. But what, 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 one, one thing, and I didn't see all the interview with Ursay at the owners' meetings, but was the GM situation brought up? I have I mean, not that, seen that. I, I just saw the quote here um, a few minutes before we started recording. I, I just have to wonder. I mean, the, the head coaching position, yes, the owner's going to be you know, knee-deep in it, but 
first you have to decide, is Chris Ballard coming back? And, you know, he addressed that at the Jeff Saturday intro presser, sort of. Uh, But things change. So it's just a strange dynamic where you've had Chris Ballard, who's for the most part, for the most part, has called the shots since he's been here. Well, now the last, you know, this last in the last 12 months, less than 12 months, there have been three major unilateral decisions that the GM wasn't involved with. Or not involved with, but had no say in. You know, with, with Carson Wentz and, and, and Bench and Ryan and firing Frank Reich. So it, it, it's not the best position for a GM to know that, well, yeah, it's your team except when I step in, you know, for the GM. So I really want to the, – the first, the first thing that Ursa has to nail down to me is Chris Ballard is our guy, and we're gonna we're gonna entrust him to fix what's broken, and then you get the head coach, to get the head coach and then decide on Chris Ballard makes no sense. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think I've stated on the show before: if you can't trust your GM to make your decisions for you, what's the point? Go get someone else in there that you do trust. The Colts are also losing tight ends coach Clayton Adams as he's leaving to take a coaching job at Stanford. Uh, assistant offensive line coach Kevin Nawai will take over the tight end room for the rest of this season. So that means three offensive coaches. The Colts are down since the start of this year. Outside of Adams, of course, uh, fired offensive coordinator Marcus Brady and fired head coach Frank Reich. So that room is a, a, a tad thinner than it was when they got together in August. Which kind of brings up the point that Saturday was almost put in a position to fail. You know, almost no coordinator on offense. It's like... That's a great point. How much can you expect out of him with this roster, with this team, with this coaching staff? But at the same time, if you're not seeing him win, what evidence are you seeing that he can be the guy? Darius Leonard, uh, Shaquille Leonard, has received the Colts nomination for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award and the Ed Block Courage Award. Uh, so, uh, honestly, props to Darius for both of those. The Walter Payton Man of the Year is the the most prestigious on plus off the field um, award that the NFL gives out to, to one of its players. And, and the laundry list of players who've won that award and what they have done to, to help out in their local communities is truly exceptional. Peyton Manning won it here uh, years and years ago. And uh, it's a list here in Indy that's include guys like Kenny Moore a year ago, um, guys like uh, who, who else has been nominated in recent years? Um, we've had Jabal, Jabal, Sheard. Jabal Sheard was great. Um, was was Mike Adams ever nominated? I can't remember if he was. I don't remember. But, but these these are all these are all guys who are who who are top drawer. Yeah. And, and I'm not just talking dealing with the media, but but things they did in the off season. And again, any award named after Walter Payton, that's one you want. I've I've seen those statues. They're awesome. And I believe once you've won it, you get that patch on your jersey when you play. So it, it's. It is the individual honor that players strive. I don't say strive for because it's not like you have a plan for it, but it's the one that's sort of the 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 the, the flag that that you want planted on your resume that you were Walter Payton Man of the Year. Some news across the NFL that has implications here in Indianapolis. We begin with the one and only T. Y. Hilton, former Ed Block Courage Award winner. Former Ed Block Courage winner. That's right. T.Y. has signed a deal with the Dallas Cowboys, one year worth up to just about $2 million in incentives. T.Y. played 10 seasons in Indianapolis. He finished his career here with 631 receptions and 9,691 yards, both of those good enough for third in Colts history. Um, 
T.Y. has certainly not... I don't think he ever made... Um, definitely never made any overture that he was done playing after last year. He, he, he hemmed and hawed a little bit, but never teetered all the way down there to say, I'm not coming back or I'm seriously not considering playing again. And, and he had a number of chap. If we remember last year that uh, Chris Ballard had extended to him and uh, T Y, I don't think he was going to play for that. Jim Ursay needed to swoop in uh, once again, there's Jim Ursay putting his fingers into things um, and told Chris Ballard to, to up the ante and get T.Y. back for last year. That same dynamic did not happen this year, so T.Y. was not a Colt. And now he's going to be a Dallas Cowboy. Probably going to be a little weird for Colts fans to see him in another jersey, but uh, just adds adds another dynamic to that to that Cowboys offense that, that does seem, if you watch them week in and week out, week out, that they could use another receiver threat, a veteran that can uh, find a hole in his own coverage, take advantage of that, that can, to, to some extent, stretch the field a little bit downfield. Uh, so certainly he'll go there, and, and they hope to have him primed up for the playoffs and the run that they certainly hope to have down there in Dallas. Yeah, this will be one where he gives you 10 or 15 plays, and it's going to be qu- quantity. It's going to be quality over quantity. And it's it's strange because the Cowboys, it doesn't seem like they know what their identity is on offense. It's always with Dak, you want to push the ball down the field. But they've got the great running attack. So this gives them that, that uh, probably the third down situational guy. And I think one reason this played out this long, I, I saw some, some reporting from it, his son was was he at Brebuff or Park Tudor? He was at Zionsville, actually. Zionsville, okay, okay. And he really wanted to spend time with his son and and watch that unfold, which he did. And now he's got a chance. I mean, to swoop in and play a month of the regular season, get your feet under you, and you're going kind of like Naheem Hines. You're going to a Super Bowl contender. Can you imagine Naheem Hines and T. Y. Hilton in the Super Bowl? Be pretty cool. So good for T.Y. Uh, you always want to see these guys who've done it the right way for the most part be able to go out on their own terms and maybe finally get there and, and get the ring or at least make a deep run. So good for T.Y. I think Colts fans Joe will be disappointed that T.Y. is not signing on here, understandably, but at the same time are, are happy to see him chase his dreams elsewhere, especially with the way this Colts season is headed. Yeah, I typically don't root for the Cowboys, but I might have to. As ease someone who up grew up in bit. Philadelphia, I never root for the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. I make that a, a point. Exactly, but you know, I'll definitely be rooting for T.Y.'s success and. You know, I, I might not mind so much anymore if I see Dallas win it. It's funny, like because because in the in the week leading up to the Cowboys game for the Colts, we talked to Zaire Franklin in the locker room, who's also a Philly kid himself, and said something to the extent of, "Shoot, I grew up watching the Cowboys being in Philadelphia," and made a mention of that and, and his history, of course, watching them. And that's the same for every kid who grows up in Philadelphia who's a sports fan. Let me tell you. So so Ty going to the Cowboys, uh, I can root for Ty. I can root for Malik Hooker, who's there, who certainly uh, did did the Colts in a couple weeks ago. But but I uh, just when the star when the stars on the helmet i think i something just keeps me from from going full bore full-fledged uh support for for those guys but nevertheless best of luck to them in, in their future endeavors um and and finally uh, a very important piece of news that we would have spoke about last week but we were off like i said with the bye the tennessee titans have decided to fire general manager john robinson and that was absolutely by no coincidence that that decision came down the week after A.J. Brown and the Philadelphia Eagles absolutely torched them, put up 35 points and waxed 
the Titans uh, in that game. Browns so specifically with two touchdowns. Nearly had a third. Yards. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you throw into light, chap, one decision that that GM had made to trade away A.J. Brown, a Pro Bowl player, and that came back to bite him. I'm not saying that's the only reason because the Titans are in a little bit of a free fall right now. Not not total free fall. I think that might be that those that word might be a little bit harsh. But they're they're declining a little bit from from what we've seen at their peak this year. I think that's fair to say. But you look over what that franchise has done about being in the playoffs multiple years. Last year being the number one seed in the AFC. They're on their way to winning the division yet again this year, unless they collapse mightily down the stretch and the Jaguars come back. And I think the Colts technically have, have the ability to do so, but I'm, I'm completely discounting that. You're saying they're in the hunt? I'm, well, <laughs> well, if you want to get technical, which is the best kind of correct, being technically correct, yes. But, but, but Chap, I, I was stunned, absolutely stunned by this news that Tennessee is moving on from their general manager uh, just because of what that franchise has done in recent years. How did you take that news when you heard it? Very surprised. Uh, I think that A.J. Brown was like the final straw because it, it was obvious that, that they were like, who else was it, Baltimore, where they traded away their their elite receiver because they weren't going to pay him $25 million. I mean, and, and for A.J. Brown, twenty five was the was the floor. So they, 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 the owner sort of said, you know, the direction we're going, I think, and also they've had some questionable drafts where their picks haven't really come through. So it's been a cumulative effort. And I think they've sort of, I don't want to say smoke and mirrors what Vrabel's done, but I thought they set an NFL record last year or led the league with most players played in a game. And I'm not so sure they're not doing that again. So that that's kind of cool for your scouting department, but that means, you know, things are going wrong elsewhere. Remember this year, what are they, or, are they seven and five? I think. I believe that's correct, Joe. And and they've lost and they've lost some serious players for the season. So you know that. It, it, but it was strange. The timing to me was strange. What you know? What does it prove now? It seems like it's got a chance to be more of a disruption with your franchise than anything. You know, and here at Indy with with Chris Ballard, they've not done something like that. They've more than that. They've almost endorsed him. Ursa has given him that tip. Of, it, 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 endorsement so yeah it, it's it looks like the the blueprint that the titans and the colts have used strong defense strong offensive line and run the heck out of the ball and have a quarterback that's kind of a manager it gets you so far and the thing with aj brown it just it reinforced that they liked that robinson liked what he was doing and how he was doing it well the owner probably says well no this is a throwing league now and when you get an elite receiver you keep him. We'll see that next year in the offseason with a, with a Michael Pittman. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just rare that a team that, again, is leading the division for their third straight year was a number one seed last year and is going to make a push this year. Right there in the middle of all this, they change horses. So very curious. Yeah, Joe, it seems like that the Titans are jumping ship from the strategy that got them this far to try to find a strategy that gets them a little bit further and like I said, I really like I focus on the A.J. Brown detail so much. And I don't think that's just because like I grew up in Philly and I saw A.J. Brown as an eagle torch them. I really think there's more to that. And it's not me being completely homerish to my own Philadelphia roots. I, you look at like Chap alluded to this, like teams this past offseason, it was really put under the microscope. Teams that got rid of franchise wide receivers and some didn't. 
Like the uh, the Titans got rid of AJ Brown, they fired their GM. The uh, the the Cardinals didn't re-sign Christian Kirk, and he went to the Jaguars, and the Jaguars are a little bit better maybe than they they were certainly better than they were last year, but. Christian Kirk is maybe the last thing on the list. That's the reason for that with everything that happened with that coaching staff and uh, the development of, of Trevor Lawrence. And like, and the Baltimore did it with, with, uh, with Hollywood Brown. And the only team that it seems to really, really have worked for is the Chiefs, who weren't going to pay Tyreek Hill. But the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. So that's, that's why it has worked there if they let their receiver go. Elsewhere, it has not worked. Yeah, and they, and they still have Travis Kelsey. Um, a little different situation, but the Packers are struggling without Devontae Adams. Him too. Yep, good point. Um, yeah, it, you know, I obviously don't have any inside information here, but to me this looks like Vrabel won the power struggle with Robinson because, I mean, you can look up the video online. He was not happy on draft day when they traded away A.J. Brown. He just wasn't. And Nor should he have been. Let's no, throw that out there. N- nor that, should yeah. he have been. And so for the timing of it kind of speaks to me that he went to the owner and said, do you see what he's done? Um, And and he's out of there and they're going to get someone who works with Vrabel a little better going forward. But just it's kind of antiquated philosophy to pay your running back, but not pay your star wide receiver. Now they have an aging running back. He's going to be 29 next year. I get uh, Derrick Henry's still having a good season, but eventually the wheels are going to fall off and while A.J. Brown is still putting up 1,500 yards with the Eagles. So um, that's just, you know, I get you can't pay everybody, but you got to find a way to pay him. There, there needs to be some kind of synergy between the front office and the coaching staff. And if you don't have that, you have a team, as we saw here in Indianapolis, what, five, six years ago, uh, what it was with Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson. If you don't have that, it, it just it just – overflows into other aspects of the organization that the tension does. Well, and go back further, look at the synergy between Tony Dungy and Bill Pullian. Two of the most diametrically opposed personalities you can come up with, but it worked because the head coach wanted to be a head coach and not a GM, and the GM, maybe he wanted to be a coach at times, Hmm. but it worked because they realized what they were good at and and. And if you don't have that, it's just a fight. And I think, like Joe said, I think maybe Vrabel did say, "This, this, this is where we are because of this move." And again, again, I went back and looked from some of the Tennessee reporting, and and the, some of their drafts have really not worked. Yeah. So, so you know, it. But boy, when the that, that's what I'm seeing here with with the new head coach and the GM, you've got to have you've got to have that power structure in place properly and it's got to be owner general manager head coach it's just got to be or or you've got dissension if not initially you know you've got it brewing under the under the the, the surface so i thought it was really strange on, on a lot of moves yeah that's a good point with the draft picks i mean i can think of two first rounders off the top of my head isaiah wilson who barely, barely played at all for them I, I don't know what it was off the field or character issues or what and then uh, a couple years ago, Caleb Farley, their first-round pick, the cornerback, they drafted an injured player, and guess what? He's been injured as a pro. He's played just six games in two seasons. That's not what you want as a, uh, a contender. A team. Uh, just a couple years ago, they were in the AFC Championship, I believe. You need players who can produce right now, and taking a swing on an injured player, making the bet that he's going to be healthy going forward, um, has really bit them. Looking at the future of this division, I'm more afraid of Jacksonville than I am Tennessee. They have the young quarterback, Lawrence, who the last few weeks here has started to look pretty good. 
You look at Tennessee aging running back. Uh, Ryan Tannehill doesn't really scare anybody, like you said, a game manager. Um, and, and they don't have a ton of centerpieces on that franchise when you look two, three, four years down the road. And a Super Bowl winning head coach in Doug Peterson as well, leading leading them down there in Jacksonville. That it is, can't go without, without uh, saying. So um, speaking of the NFL draft, the Colts, even though they were on a bye, had a tremendous weekend. Very good week. Yes. Whole, raise the banner. <laughs> Moving up two spots in the draft, uh, up to seventh at the moment. Uh, they were ninth going into the weekend, but thanks to Jacksonville's win uh, and thanks to, what was the other win? Carolina. Carolina's win, that's right. They have moved above those teams and are currently sitting seventh in the NFL draft. Ahead of them, number one overall, the Houston Texans, who very nearly won themselves against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Colts almost uh, took every, everything out of the Cowboys in that uh, 59 to 14 victory, I guess. They just were. Tired of, they were tired from exactly, running up tired and down of the field. Exactly. Scoring all so, those yeah, touchdowns. The Colts tried their best, but no, the, the Titans tried their best. Couldn't quite get that win. Number two uh, draft will be Denver's pick. Denver 3 and 10 this year. That's actually being taken by Seattle. Number three right now, Chicago, the Bears, who are 3 and 10. Number four is the Rams pick at 4 and 9, the Rams, but that's going to Detroit. Uh, number Let's go Baker gets right. more wins. Here we go. Uh, number five is currently uh, well, it's New Orleans pick that was traded to Philadelphia. Uh, so the T and and the number six is Arizona uh, as well. And you have you have the Rams, you have New Orleans, you have Arizona that all have four wins exactly like the Colts right now. So those guys, it's going to be neck and neck uh, down the stretch. Um, so maybe the top three teams there. I don't know how good Chicago and Denver or Houston uh, can can make it down the stretch, but everyone else, it's the Rams, uh, the Saints, the Cardinals, and the Colts. Um, I, th those guys, any of them could could win a couple, any of them could lose a couple uh, where they are looking down the stretch for the season. The Colts could pick anywhere, I think, from fourth in the draft, uh, maybe third if they're really lucky, uh, all the way down to, to 10th or 12th, you know, if, uh, w w at this point. But but you see them in the top 10, you see them seventh, that's pretty good. And, and, and Joe, especially when you look at those guys, I'll, I'll, I'll um, kind of uh, let you take the reins with, with which teams above them will take a quarterback, especially with how a couple of the teams have played later this season. It's maybe not, not as many as we thought earlier in the year would take a quarterback from these teams. Yeah, obviously Arizona's not going to take one. It, it was tough to see Kyler Murray go down. That's going to hurt in terms of, the Cardinals' chances of picking up some more wins here down the season. But Colt McCoy is probably one of the better backups in the league. Um, I saw a report a few days ago that Seattle wants to re-sign re and extend uh, Geno Smith. So that might take them out of the quarterback market. Um, there's some darn good defenders at the top of that draft, including Will Anderson, defensive end, somebody the, the Seahawks could really use. Obviously, Chicago has Justin Fields, who – has shown enough promise this year. They're probably not in the QB market. Detroit, I saw another report that Detroit considers Jared Goff to be their long-term answer at quarterback. Um, obviously, these could be smoke screens. Or of this. course. You always have to throw that out when it comes to the draft. Good point. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, you know, may, maybe Geno doesn't get the number he likes in Seattle and signs somewhere else. You never, you never know. There's a lot of months ahead of us here as we go down the stretch. But you're right. There's not as many teams ahead of the Colts, who will probably in the be in the quarterback market. But that doesn't mean other teams can't trade up. So the best thing the Colts can do in terms of draft position is get as high as possible so that they have more capital to trade. You know, say you're Chicago, you want to trade back 
um, because you're not taking a quarterback. Well, they don't want to trade too far back and miss out on a elite um, defender or offensive tackle. So the higher the Colts can get, the better their chances of trading up and getting a quarterback or just landing one where they are. Well, also the higher you get, the fewer teams can jump in front of you. See, that's the problem. If you're seven, maybe there's there's two other teams can jump in front of you. Houston's gonna Houston is gonna take a quarterback. They just are. But all you know, I, I've kept in my mind just roughly that there's a better chance of the Colts getting like the third best quarterback, just because two teams above them will certainly take quarterbacks, whomever that is, however it plays out. And you're gonna have to be sold that that third quarterback, whomever that is, who's the guy, the, the Kentucky quarterback? Will Levis. Have, they've got an, and people are split on those guys. And the closer we get to the draft, the more these guys are going to have bad decision making, noodle arms, whatever, because that's the way the draft works. And we'll go down a little rabbit hole here with the quarterback you pick. He's not going to be ready to play. He's not. So who is your quarterback next year? Are you bringing Matt Ryan back for $35 million? Or you're going to – I know, I see you scrunching your, your, yeah. your face tape. Or, or are you saving $17 million, paying $18 million is guaranteed, and finding who? You know, it's not going to be Sam Ellinger. I, I can't imagine that. So, so there you are again trying to find a – Why not? Boy, I've seen – I, I think I've seen enough of Sam Ellinger to think, you know – if he's going to be the backup, I can deal with it. These, quarterback, with these quarterbacks drafted this high. They play, Mike. They're going to play. Maybe Ellinger or Foles starts one or two weeks, but they're going to get in there just like we saw in Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. Like, it, 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 And if you've got the rest of the team around him, I agree. But can you imagine if, if the scenario next year where you've got a guy you really like and he just needs to play, and you put him behind this offensive line and this running game, and you you might beat the football out of him, you know the the David Carr situation. So they've got so many things to decide. Getting a quarterback is not one of them. I mean, they've got to get a quarterback. Can you wait till the second round? I don't know. If you don't like the guy that much, then what are you doing? So it, it's really interesting. And the problem is they are not operating out of a position of strength. They're operating out of a position of need, and that's really a very perilous situation to be in. Good luck. Uh, again, will, will Chris Ballard make that make that decision? We don't know. And, uh, you know, there have been times that there have probably been players that we, we were high on in the draft, more you because you study it more than, than I do, and Chris Ballard obviously didn't agree with you. In some cases he was right. In some cases, you know, left tackle, he was wrong. So it all starts with the GM, and the sad part is that they've won too many games. People hate to hear that with four, but they've won too many games to get to where you want to go because the only way that the NFL rewards you is to be really, really bad, and to be sort of bad isn't really a good position to be in. I will say in terms of general manager, if there is a new general manager, that might be an attractive quality is being able to pick your quarterback go in and draft your guy, um, probably buy you a little bit of time as that young quarterback develops. We'll see. I mean, that, heck, 
I, if Ballard stays, I wouldn't be surprised if he took the uh, offensive tackle or something with the high draft. People pick like would that. show up in pitchforks <laughs> with pitchforks. People would at, at yeah. Colts headquarters. They would. And, and it's it's yeah. not. It can never be about one player, one position. Remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I keep saying that, Chris. Yes, it is. It's uh-huh. about one guy. I, I I look at this Colts team and I look at from the draft, you know, kind of what it could be, and and, and instead of a Paris Campbell, Quiddy Pay, and Michael Pittman Jr. or Jonathan Taylor, like this team could have been Terry McLaurin, Christian Darrisaw, and Jalen Hurts. Like you you look at that, and, and it's uh, positions of uh, their positions that that are of utmost importance in the league. And I know that every team can, can go back to the draft and second guess and, and, and kind of put that under the microscope. And, and that's, I think that's at some times unfair and, and I'll, I'll, I'll grant that criticism, but, but just, just to, when you keep kicking the can down the road, as we've said, a quarterback year after year after year, and, and something that is as glaringly bad as the Jalen Hurts thing that, that to, to me right now, like to, I, I know he needed coaching coming out of the college ranks, but every quarterback needs coaching coming out of college ranks. And you needed a quarterback for so stinking long. And then he goes and he's an MVP candidate in just his, uh, his, his third year in the league. It's, was that the year the Colts had just traded for Wentz? Or, no, that was Philip Rivers' year. That was Philip Rivers' year. Okay. So Wentz was still in Philly at that time. That became a whole thing in Philadelphia when they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. Um, but but immediately, I mean, geez, you draft Jalen Hurts and he's behind Philip Rivers for a year for crying out loud. Like there there are much worse worse quarterbacks to learn under. And you think you have this quarterback guru and Frank Reich at the time? Like ha- have some faith in, in your offensive staff at that time to coach the guy upright. Well, and I think something about these, you know, a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, and there's going to be mobile, you know, quote-unquote running quarterbacks in this draft. You think of a guy like Richardson from Florida, who they probably wouldn't have to take in the top ten, but you never know. These quarterbacks get pushed up as the process goes along. But because of the rookie wage scale, if you get a running quarterback, you can play that system. And teams have shown they can win games as guys develop as passers. The Eagles – still made the playoffs last year while Jalen Hurts was still very much developing as a passer because he gave you the threat of the run, and that kind of helps your offense in, in a big way. And if it doesn't work out or they, they get injured from taking too many hits, it's not like you're paying the guy $80 million or whatever the Sam Bradford deal was. Right. If it doesn't work out, you get to move on, and you didn't just lose so much of a financial investment. Chap, you were thumbing through a, a book there. Did you have something you were looking up to say? No, I just I just I reminded myself that Hertz was the second round pick. Yep. And and I you know, people, you know, Lamar Jackson. Well, thirty one teams passed on Lamar Jackson. He yep. was what, thirty two? So I, I always go back and forth on this this mobile quarterback, pocket quarterback dynamic. You know, I watched Justin Herbert, who is a pocket passer, who can get outside, but he loves to stay in you look at Josh Allen who is Andrew Luck incarnate. He just is. And if he's not careful, he's going to get hurt. But bigger. Yeah. Correct. And then you see Kyler Murray get hurt. That was non-contact, but he was out of the pocket. Justin Fields has just gotten beat to a pulp because he doesn't know when plays are over. So I still prefer the pocket guy who can maybe get outside because that's from all my years of watching Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and even Phillip Rivers, and it worked. It worked, but you, the problem with the Colts now, we've talked about this, is 
they are nowhere at quarterback, absolutely nowhere. And they look around and see all of these guys, Joe Burrow, you know, Josh Allen, and all the young guys, and they want one. Hey, I want one of those. It's just, it's hard to get one of those. And until they get their guy, whatever they do, you know, people are, 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 are impatient now because of where they are and where they've been and missing the playoffs again. This isn't going to get better for a year or two. It's just not. Whatever you do at quarterback next year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be at least a one- or a two-year process to where that guy makes that much of a difference. So I just hope the fan base understands. that they're, The fan base is totally correct, as is the media, that you've got to get this quarterback thing fixed. You can't keep doing this. But understand that doing that, it's going to take a year or two before you see the fruits of whatever quarterback you bring in. Speaking of doing this, I saw a betting website lately uh, had the Colts as the favorites to acquire Aaron Rodgers this offseason. And uh, I, how big I, is, how big is that can you're kicking down to? <laughs> I mean, why would he come here? I have no idea. That's the thing, right there. I think Chap asked the most important question: Why would he come here based well, on what happened this year? He would have to be traded. Yeah, I don't know if he has a no trade clause or not. Uh, probably. Right. But um, I, I mean, come hang out with his friend uh, Pat McAfee and, and do the show uh, for, from in studio every week here in Indy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't like it. I just think it's time to move on. He hasn't even looked that great in Green Bay this year. But um, I just thought that was interesting. I'd throw that I throw that. I think it's crazy. And you were right. Go back. Go back to preseason and training camp, and people downplayed the impact of losing Devontae Adams. They did. Yeah. Well, we got we got these, we got the quarterback. No, no, no. You get it's what you said, Dave. When you get that guy, Devontae Adams or AJ Brown, you gotta keep him. It's just hard to get the blue chip players. You can get you can get the red guys and the middle of the road guys. You, they're all over the place. But when the Colts were really good, really good, they had eight to ten, no doubt studs. And that's how you win. You ha- you have the top tier players at the right positions, quarterback, pass rush, left tackle, and and then the rest of it. Yes, it matters. But when you have the top talent, that's what wins. It, it just does. And that's why I say next in this off season with Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, what do you do? I mean, what do you do? You finally got really really good young talent. Yet this team has never shown the commitment to, to, to wide receiver. Yeah, second round draft picks, okay. But free agency they don't they don't pay for it. And at running back, th- this will be a good offseason discussion for us. Do you pay both? Jonathan Taylor is special. He is special. And he's a running back. So what do you do? What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together, we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at HancockRegional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Let's actually get to the game this week as the Colts take on the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. 
We are 40 minutes into this, and now we we're are. going to the game. It tells you where the season is. I was going to say, can, can you tell how much we really want to talk about the game? We'd rather <laughs> talk about everything else right now. But uh, for this game against the Vikings, Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m., if you're watching it here in central Indiana, you can watch it on Fox 59. Uh, we are uh, broadcasting it here. And so, uh, so once again, central Indiana, Fox 59, your home for Colts-Vikings this weekend, Saturday, 1 p.m. Uh, ruled out for the Colts cornerback Kenny Moore, still out with his ankle injury. I have not been to the Colts headquarters this week, uh, but uh, from what I have heard from people who have been there is that he was uh, out off the scooter, at least, but the, uh, the boot was still on. Uh, so a step in the right direction, uh, to, uh, to, to turn a phrase, step in the right direction with an injured gotcha. ankle. Uh. Mike Strawn also out with concussion. Uh, not that that matters overly too much in the grand scheme of things. Uh, offensive tackle Braden Smith with an illness has been full go on both Tuesday and Wednesday. He missed last week's game, uh, but looks like he'll be okay this week since he's back practicing. Uh, Brandon Faison with another illness, uh, or perhaps the same illness, likely the same illness, uh, has been out on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, and did not practice either of those two days. So uh, for the Vikings, uh, they've ruled out offensive tackle Blake Brendel, who started the last three games at left tackle for the injured Christian Darasaw, but Darasaw has not been listed on the injury report after he was out the last three games, Joe, with concussion. So we are going to get the fearsome Darasaw-Quiddipay matchup that we've all been dying for for, uh, for this entire year. Yeah, I'm not sure how often they'll go head-to-head on kind of different sides exactly. of the line I know, there. I know, but, yeah. but, yeah, I mean, we'll get to see front and center, the left tackle who was staring them in the face and the defensive end who they picked instead. And I, I hate to say that because it sounds like I'm ragging on Quiddy Pay. Exactly, and I, I'm right there with you. Quiddy Pay's a no, you're, good you're player. Ragging, you're, you're ragging on Chris Ballard. That, exactly. That's what I'm – yes, yes. Thank you, Mike. Quiddy Pay is eventually going to be a Colts nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. He's that type of dude, and he does stuff and off the and field. He'll, and he'll be a good player, and he yes. is a good player. Yes. Like, he could be He could be Brandon Graham, who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles right now, who's been there for 13 years. But he doesn't get 10, 15 sacks a season, but he is solid, and he is a pillar of your organization. He is a culture builder, and that's everything that Quiddy Pay could be. He could be a four-time pro bowler for this team, but Darasaw over there can be a 10-time pro bowler at a, a crucial spot. So a, anyway, all that to say, I'm sorry, Joe, I interrupted you. I mean, Quiddy Pay's got five sacks in six games this year. I mean, when he's been on the field, he's been extremely productive. So, so he could be better than what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's not you possible. Know, you, you, you can have a left tackle that doesn't make the Pro Bowl and is pretty darn effective. I mean, Anthony Costanzo. Anthony Costanzo, yeah. So, but that, that's what we were talking those prime positions. At least in this case, they, they debated two prime positions, that left tackle and pass rush, and they went pass rush. Besides uh, Darasaw, let's see, center Garrett Bradbury with the back has been limited Tuesday and Wednesday. He missed last week's game against Detroit. Cornerback Cameron Dantzler has had an illness the last two days. He's missed both days of practice. Uh, edge rusher Donnell Hunter with a limited on Wednesday with a neck injury. Edge rusher. I just thought that was interesting. He wasn't listed Tuesday and right. then was Wednesday. So did something pop up? We'll have to have to again. You can check us out online at Colts Blue Zone for uh, injury updates throughout the week. Um, and then when whenever that happens, Joe, when when one day is limited, when the previous day wasn't, you always want to see the next day. And if that's hey, if something happened mid practice, you know, and that caused him to be limited, and hey, maybe next time he's completely out the next day, that that's that's a bad sign usually for for their availability. But like I said, check us out online at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter uh, to get updates for that. Uh, James Lynch, edge rusher, shoulder injury, limited both days, Tuesday and Wednesday. Linebacker Jordan Hicks uh, did not participate 
Tuesday, but did participate Wednesday with an ankle injury. Uh, defensive tackle Harrison Phillips with a back injury, did not participate Tuesday, but was limited on Wednesday. And uh, safety Harrison Smith, who's one of the best safeties in the NFL, has five interceptions this year. He's been to the Pro Bowl, I don't know how many times, but a lot of times. He practiced in full on Wednesday, even though he was limited Tuesday with a neck injury. So a lot of guys on that list, but then there's it seems like they're, they're doing pretty good shape. Like, guys are at least limited. They're not not practicing, Joe. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on Hunter and then maybe Dantzler doesn't yeah. play if he has that illness that's going around the entire league the the unnamed illness i wonder what it could be yeah. that's going around the league right now yeah I'll, I'll tell you but but I, i've had something like over the past couple weeks but i also have kids in daycare so daycare is fantastic uh, they take half of your salary and they give you a new illness every three weeks so it, it's it's really the best uh the best possible transaction you could have as a, as a young parent uh, the colts are four eight and one they visit the 10 and three minnesota vikings uh, who have who've lost some really good teams, but they've beaten everybody else that they've played. They they haven't lost games they shouldn't have lost, uh, but they have not at all times looked good against the uh, the upper echelon teams that they have played either. It, it's very it's very clear to me that they're they're a team that's above the rest, but not quite at the level of like Super Bowl contender. Like they they lost big to the Eagles, they lost big to the Cowboys. I can't remember who their other loss was against. They right just now. lost last week to the Lions. That's right, the Lions who are who are world beaters right now. Lions are playing really good they football. They might make the playoffs. I know it's really exciting, biting off kneecaps and all that stuff out, out there Lions. in Detroit. Yeah, go Dan Campbell, go Detroit, uh, and so so they've yeah that's that's not a bad loss at all as you might have thought it was so um even though it's certainly uh, you would have hoped if you were the vikings to, to get that win no doubt about it but uh, it's a 1 p.m like i said saturday broadcast fox 59 uh the vikings offense is certainly what steers the ship there they're 10th in scoring in the league averaging 24 points per game uh eighth in passing yards per game 27th in rushing they're not rushing the ball overly well but they don't turn the ball over too much they're bottom the bottom tier in the nfl in turnovers only 14 this season in their 13 Quartile. games What's that? Quartile. Bottom quartile. Yes, that's quartile. right. In the bottom quartile. I'm sorry. Thanks for pointing that out, chap. Uh, the Minnesota defense can be uh, can be taken advantage of. They are 32nd. It often is. Yes, dead last in the league <laughs> in yards allowed, uh, averaging more than 400 yards given up per game. Last against the pass as well, nearly uh, 300, 290 rather uh, yards given up per game. Um, they they they're decent intercepting the ball in the top half at uh, 12 interceptions on the season, uh, 17th in sacks. They're middle of the pack against the run, uh, allowing 4.4 yards per carry and averaging 116 yards per game given. Um, Joe, when you look at those those two kind of sides and, and players to watch, what kind of sticks out to you when you're uh, looking over how the Colts have to uh, have to approach this game against the Vikings? Yeah, this game will kind of come down to you know the Vikings offense or defense that is has really been struggling. Can the Colts take advantage of it? Do you, the Colts offense has held this team back all year? Can they take advantage of a struggling defense? Here's the deal, though. Like, chap, you, you look at that that passing defense, and, and it jumps off the page to you that they are dead last in the NFL against the pass. But, 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 they have two edge rushers who are really, really good. They have Zadarius Smith, who has nine and a half sacks and leads the team. He's been a Pro Bowler two times, and Danell Hunter, who I mentioned earlier, he's been on the injury report, but only limited. Uh, has seven sacks himself this season, who is also a two-time Pro Bowler. So the, the Colts have had trouble blocking and protecting a quarterback. So like, if other teams block those players, then they have been able to take advantage of the Vikings. If other teams don't block those players, Mike, then, then it, it's tough sledding, and that's where the Colts have found themselves this year against more teams more often than not. 46 sacks. It ain't good. 46 
you know, the franchise record's like 62, so they're still in the running. If, if you're going to come close, go ahead and get the record. <laughs> you know, get the – That's that, the spirit. It, it's gotten to the point where the Colts know they have got to stretch the field, if nothing else, with Alec Pierce. You know, I'm not talking to crossers with Paris Campbell or even Michael. They've turned Michael Pittman into a possession receiver. But the the more you don't throw the ball down the field, the more condensed the field gets, which hurts everything you do, the running game, everything. And we've seen them try to – it's almost like they, they've decided that they can't throw it down the field because they know they can't protect – and, and so we'll see. It's just an awful situation to be in because they've got – I think it's fair to say that this receiver group has exceeded expectations. I think in my mind it has because of Paris. And I think Alec Pierce has been better than I thought he would be. He's had a, He had that one slump early or midseason. But I just don't know that they – like you said, that they, that they think they can do what they need to do. And that's protect on the edges – and give the quarterback time. And there have been times I've been one of the bigger Matt Ryan defenders. It's getting harder and harder now because I think he sees and, and senses ghosts early on. I think he's anticipating pressure. And I thought this last game, in my mind, I really noticed a lack of zip on the ball. All of the things that you need to get the ball down the field, they can't or won't do. I'll say this, chap. Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys agrees with you uh, about that because he tweeted out after the game the other week that teams are playing scared against us right after the Colts game. Teams are playing scared. And, and I understand why Matt Ryan is jumpy in the pocket because he's been sacked so often this year and he's been hit a ton and he's 37 years old and he is a statue. That one run this year, notwithstanding, that he had, that everybody got so excited about and tweeted about. Ooh, Matt Ryan. Oh, Lamar Jackson. 30, 39 yards. The <laughs> slowest 39-yard run you have ever seen. Exactly. But but nevertheless, like that's that, that's you, you can easily make that argument that, that Matt Ryan is playing scared because other players see it too and readily admit it. So well, he's he, he's got no to me Exactly. It's I'm on, not, it's on, He's got every reason to not trust it because, again, I think Braden Smith is playing really well now. I think Bernard Ryman's playing better now, but they still they they still give it that occasional, you know, whiff on the edge more Ryman than Smith, and they still don't handle stunts inside very well. Or blitz and, pickup. Well, and that Jonathan was my next Taylor. point. That's JT. It, it it is JT, and you. If you can't play your your best offensive player three downs, it just hurts. And at least two or three of these sacks lately have been on him. It, it just has been. So how, how, as a quarterback, do you go into the game and say, okay, I'm trusting that everything's going to work? You have to trust. And then two or three plays into it, something gets blown up, so you think, well, can't trust that. So, again, like I, I, I agree with everything you say, how you attack this team. I think Joy had a note. They've given up 400 yards – in five straight games. That's crazy. That's crazy. And do you think the Colts can approach 400 yards? I don't. No. Unless JT, unless JT goes for 220. So it, 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 it's one of those, again, where you know what you need to do. Can you do it? 
You also have to guard Justin Jefferson, Joe, who's easily one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, if you're starting a team today and get to pick any wide receiver, it's probably going to be Justin Jefferson. That'd be high um, on the uh, high on the list. Yeah, for sure. Tremendous, tremendous wide receiver. Had over 200 yards last week, and they still lost. Um, and I'll get to the reason why in a second. Obviously, as we run through this here, Christian Kirk or Kirk Cousins is having a nice season. 20 touchdown passes. Nine interceptions, added a couple touchdowns on the ground, so he's playing rock solid football. You st- you still don't trust him though, do you? I mean, do you trust him? It, during one p.m., I do trust him. One p.m. at one p.m. exactly in the upper quartile of quarterback. <laughs> the upper quartile. One p.m. on Saturday, you trust him? A- absolutely, absolutely, I do. Um, so Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, um, Kirk has obviously. Uh, uh, um, we haven't talked about T.J. Hawkinson. They acquired as well. This team in the past has at times struggled to cover the tight end. That's another weapon for them. And each of their five starters on the offensive line was drafted in the first or second round. So they have a lot of talent on offense. Well, let's break down these keys to the game. We've got keys to the game predictions to do before we wrap things up here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We encourage you to subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcast. So you, this, uh, this goes right into your uh, your library week after week. Joe, keys to the game as the Colts take on the Vikings 1 p.m. Saturday afternoon. Number one, we've already talked about it. Protect Matt Ryan. Per ESPN analytics slash NFL next gen stats, the Colts have the worst pass block win rate in the NFL. Um, they measure that by can you sustain a block by 2.5 seconds or longer? The Colts have done that the fewest of any team in the NFL. I think it's like 45% is what I saw. It's yeah, like it was, it was like less 45, than 50, 45, 46, 46% like right around there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, half the time, roughly. They're not giving Matt Ryan even two and a half seconds to throw the football. Uh, Minnesota has zero sacks in their last two losses, Detroit and Dallas. So right there, um, if they can't get to the quarterback, even the Colts are going to be able to pass all over them because the secondary is not their strength, minus the very talented Harrison. Even the Colts will not be able able to pass against them. And obviously we've seen time and time again, I don't need to put a number behind this one, pressure on Ryan leads to turnovers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two. Score touchdowns in the red zone. The Colts uh, should be able to move this ball against this defense. As we've discussed, Minnesota has allowed 400-plus yards of offense in five straight games, but breaking the goal line has been a struggle for Indy. The Colts are bottom five in red zone touchdown percentage, and the Colts have scored the second-fewest touchdowns in the NFL this season while they've attempted the fifth-most field goals. That's not a stat that, that you want right there. That that ratio is no. a bad one. Well, but- and on top of that, uh, McLaughlin is seven of ten on on fifty yarders. That that ties a franchise record for most made fifty yarders. Good for him. Yeah, go chase. But, He's gonna break. But that that mean oh without question, and it just shows you that the desperation that when you get to the forty yard line, you say, man, we now we at least got a chance to get something. That's, that's a great stat individually, and it's not a good stat for the team. Final key to the game here, stop the run. Minnesota averages 52 rushing yards in their three losses compared to 108 rushing yards in their 10 wins. Um, but the Colts' defense has softened up against run recently. On the year, they've allowed 4.2 yards per carry. That's sixth best in the NFL. But opponents have rushed for 392 yards over the past two games on this defense. yards per tote. So one of the the strengths of this defense is starting to wear down as the season goes along. If the Colts can stop the run, I get Justin Jefferson is just going to get his. He just will. That you can't let them, you can't let Jefferson and Dalvin Cook 
have a heyday on you at the same time. The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals and an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. FanDuel has the Colts four and a half point underdog to the Minnesota Vikings over under set at 47.5. So they're expecting something along the lines of a 25-21 ball game, 26-22 ball game is what FanDuel says. And Chap isn't even in the room right now, so I don't, I can't look over at his paper and, and steal his, uh, his prediction over there. So, uh, so I'm going to have to go by myself. And then, Joe, you'll go next. Chap will wrap things up. Um, I, I see no, no reason to pick the Colts right now to, to win in Minnesota. Um, they haven't showed me anything uh, that would indicate otherwise the past couple weeks, especially with some of these defensive collapses in the fourth quarter, I think that have been really concerning. If, if they can get into, like, if they gather back together this week after the bye and had a real come-to-Jesus moment and, and kind of figured out what, what's been wrong and how to correct it, then, then yeah, you can turn things around. But I'm not going to predict that's going to happen just because I haven't seen any fruits of it yet. If it comes on th- this weekend, then that's a big storyline. Like, hey, if you step up in the fourth quarter and you win this game, hey, that's something you weren't doing recently. And, and that's a question that will be asked of Jefferson. Saturday of the guys in the locker room, all that stuff. But I'm, like I said, I'm not predicting that's going to happen right now. I think the Vikings win. We'll pick the score something along the lines of 28 to 13, just because that offense has been really good. And the Colts, it, I, I can't see them sustaining too much uh, right now. I just, I just don't think it gets much better. It, they, they might make a 28 to 20. They might get another touchdown late or something like that, but I'm going to go with 28 to 13 Vikings with this game. I'm going to predict a score of all right, mine's different than you, Mike. I'm going to predict a score of 27 to 20. Um, this Vikings offense is just really good, and I know the Colts' strength is their defense, but you know I, I don't think they'll be able to hold the Vikings to you know 14 points or something like that. And we just talked about how bad the Vikings' defense is, so I think the Colts will get to 20 points this year where they are currently undefeated i was gonna say but they win when they score 20 points not this week not this week because the defense is playing too good of an offense all good things must come to an end okay mike chapel what do you got for your prediction this week yeah last week it was what 21 19 going in the fourth quarter at dallas and then the wheels came off i would love to see this 21 19 going in the fourth quarter this week to see how this team would do i don't think it happens i i wrote down 27 17 my Vikings, the easy part for me has been the Colts score. It's 16 or 17 because that's what it is. And until the, until they can score mid-20s, they've got little chance. And the problem, like, and Joe mentioned it, and I agree, I think this defense is wearing down. I, I think they still do good things, but, but if you can't pressure – now, if you can pressure Cousins, you talk about a quarterback you can get to do squirrely things, he's one of them. Uh, but but you know the, the Vikings are they're nine and zero in in one possession games, which which tells you by and large they make plays. And the Colts are like four three and one in one possession games, which means by and large they don't. So I, I just think it's it's asking too much. I agree with you. Until they show you can that they can do it, why do you think they can do it? So I think this thing kind of trudges along, and it, it gives Joe more reason to cheer because it maybe enhances their draft positioning, but 
it, it's to the point now you simply want this to get over because I don't see how it changes until you make the changes. You can check out all of Mike Chappell's work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Also follow him on Twitter at mchapel 51 I'm at DaveG underscore sports. Joe Hopkins as well. You can follow us all online at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes throughout the week, including injury updates leading to kickoff, which this week comes at 1 p.m. Saturday afternoon, broadcast in central Indiana on Fox 59. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thank you.